What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham with no Justin Trees today as he is gone on a family trip enjoying Disney World or Disneyland, whichever one is in California. That is where he is. But today it is just me riding solo. Um, really just going to kind of break down and do what we normally do on the Tuesday show, which is just kind of break down everything that we saw over the weekend. I believe it is week eight that we have just surpassed of the NFL schedule. It is flying by, but it was honestly kind of a sloppy weekend for every team. The more games I watched and the more notes I took, I just kept realizing, thinking to myself, how many turnovers have there been this week? Is it is it this normal every week to see this many turnovers? It didn't feel like it. That's definitely something I'm going to be researching. If anyone else noticed that, Definitely let me know because it just kept catching my eye, like I said, on the amount of turnovers and sloppiness that there was from every single team this week, including the New England Patriots, who blew out their opponent, the Cleveland Browns, this week. I will talk about that a little bit later. Um, really no weekend news to catch up from. Honestly, I traveled down to see some friends and family down in Springfield at the Alumni of Missouri State. Had a great time. Um, Halloween event. Got to see the girlfriend, so that was amazing. But then on Sunday, I came home and I fell asleep on my couch. I tried to watch the football games. I was in a perfect spot. I mean, I'm sure you guys know you lay down. And when you hit that perfect spot, there's it's just too hard to reject a nap sometimes. And I did not reject it this weekend. So I fully accepted it. I woke up just in time for the Chiefs-Packers game. And oh my gosh, what an experience. That's going to be the last game I break down just because I have so much to say on it. But let's go ahead and get right on into this week and the breakdowns that I have. The first game that I'm going to start out with is the Redskins and Vikings. Um, this was more of just a back and forth game on field goals, really. There wasn't too much to kind of be excited about. Um, Dalvin Cook is just doing what he's done all year. And we honestly are almost at a point where we have to say, is he the best running back in the NFL right now? Aside from Chris, or excuse me, from Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, where where how would you have them ranked so far this season is what i want to ask you guys and what i want you to hit us up on social for just to kind of really see where you guys are at matching up with my mind maybe i'm not as crazy as i think i am saying this but i i can't help but say cook barkley zeke right now this far in the year just due to the fact that what we saw barkley do this weekend zeke was on a bye so we didn't have the opportunity to see what he could live up to, but he's really starting to take off after getting that contract and not participating in any offseason workouts or training camp. He did work hard with Marshall Falk um, down in somewhere in Mexico. I, I'm going to try and say the name, but it's not going to be right, so I might just avoid it altogether. But Cook, Barkley, and Zeke is what I have for the running backs this year. I just think there's too much to show for Cook on how he just bounces off tackles. He's done it week after week, and he did it against the – the Redskins on Thursday night so that's where I'm at with the running backs like I said this was just a field goal after field goal type game and the, the weird part about it was that the Redskins had an opportunity to win this game the Vikings were without Adam Thielen I didn't think it would have that much of an effect on them but apparently it did the Redskins were getting pressure they were doing just enough to off throw Kirk Cousins and then there were turnovers like I said when I started the show that you know, Diggs, Stephon Diggs had a turnover to start the game, and it pretty much just kind of followed in for the rest of the week on everyone else in the NFL and kind of really what was going on. Red, so Treeks and I, we both lost on that matchup, thinking that the Vikings would cover. They were unable to do so. 
But our next game to kind of start Sunday football outside of the London game was the Giants versus the Lions. And this was kind of a game that ended up being a lot better than I think a lot of us would have realized once it started because Jones just didn't seem to have that mental clock to start the game. And that's what really just kind of threw everything off. Matthew Stafford started hot, hitting deep shots. The running game was kind of starting to get effective, which was great for the Lions. But their defense just didn't do enough to kind of help them keep the distance in the game as the Giants found a way to come back later in uh, later in the game. And then Daniel Jones, like I said, he just he's I've praised him numerous times on being able to stay in the pocket and keeping his head downfield, which is great. But then there's at times where he's just standing there looking down the field and he's accepting the pressure and accepting the hits and it's leading to turnovers or he's not throwing the ball away when he gets outside of the pocket. And it's just those little things that's really just kind of starting to derail his season and creating so many turnovers for him. Like I said, Matthew Stafford is just doing what he does best is throwing the ball down the field, giving his guys an opportunity. And then, oh my gosh, excuse me, Saquon Barkley just comes back with a vengeance this game running strong i mean we've all seen the highlight he breaks three tackles gets the first down doesn't stop the run before that was just as impressive as he bounces outside hits up the sideline stiffs arm breaks the tackle and gains an extra yard or two just to kind of really keep showing hey i am one of the best running backs in the league I have a feeling this guy named Austin Cunningham is going to say something on Monday night about how Dalvin Cook is better than me. But it's just what I'm seeing so far, so I figured I'd kind of throw it out there and see where it hits. Um, more of kind of what I said on Daniel Jones, just he needs to learn how he needs to learn from his mistakes. Like I said, standing in the pocket too long, accepting the pressure, that's awesome to a point, but you have to learn from it. You can't just keep making the same mistake over and over. You 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 have to understand what your arm strength is and what you can do and what you're capable of and what you're not at this level. And that's something he's still trying to figure out. So we can only go to a fault as for so much of these turnovers that are taking place for the New York Giants because they're, they're really not fighting for much this season. They're not going to the playoffs. We're not expecting them to just erupt. We've, we've seen the injuries for their wide receiver group. They don't have much there outside of Tate. And then if Tate is there, it's Daniel Jones trying to force something there along the sideline, and it's getting picked off. We saw it at least twice here against the Lions. And like I said, it's something he needs to learn from moving forward. Figure out what you're capable of and then succeed off of that. And then kind of start to just take take bigger bites as you go on what you're able to do, shots down the field, those sideline throws, give yourself more time. But the Giants, they just need to kind of keep building off what they're doing. They did lose this game. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next matchup that I have notes on. That's something I'm a little bit more impressed with myself this week, honestly, or this time around doing the solo show, is that I came more prepared. I have more notes on every game. It's something Teresa and I are trying to make more of an effort on doing is being more prepared for you guys instead of just trying to remember everything and then talking about it. Because that's what we initially wanted to do. We wanted to just have raw reactions, raw thoughts, and really throw our ideas out there. And then after a while, we kept realizing we're, there's, we can do more. We can give better information. So this is my part in that. Or is, I'm going back and watching all the games on Monday, including the Monday night game, trying to watch it in the background. But it's hard to multitask like that. That's not something I'm great at. If my girlfriend is listening to this. You heard it here. I'm not a great multitasker, but there are some things I am pretty good at multitasking at. So here we go into our next game, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Rams. This was a game in London. 
And it might as well have just been the Cooper Cup show because he erupted. There was a play where the Rams did a triple reverse flea flicker that ultimately changed the outcome of this because the Bengals and the Rams were going back and forth, which was surprising. The Bengals were doing just enough on offense. Their defense was just being competitive enough. They weren't falling for anything. And then that play to cup, the D-back trips, slips. The grass is made for soccer, not NFL. It was clear everyone was slipping all game long. But that is just how the weather is across the pond. Um, it's kind of what it's like here in Kansas City right now as well as we have snow before the month of November, which is crazy. This game eventually came down to the Rams' defensive line owning it. I mean, they just they got a sack whenever they wanted. And that's the thing that this defense is built for is making plays like that happen any time they need it in any time they want trading Jalen Ramsey it gives them that opportunity even more so you're just going to watch this team continue to build and create turnovers game after game because that's what they're trying to build to do and that offense is going to catch up we're going to see Todd Gurley get his touches and get his carries and once that starts get once that starts rolling and everything's turning I mean Sean McVay is going to be up there tooting the horn, the conductor of the train, because they are going to be coming in hot come playoff time if they can find a way to win this division or at least get a wild card. Because if they get a wild card spot, they might be a team that just sneaks their way through the playoffs. I know that you're not going to sneak your way through the playoffs once you're with a team that just lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl last season, but they might just find a way after watching the 49ers play this week. The Bengals, something that they need to do moving forward and what they need to do today for you guys listening tomorrow for me recording they need to trade A.J. Green. They need to get picks out of him. They need to do something because their receiver group is fine. But, man, they need to keep building this team. They need to build that defensive line. They need to build their linebacking core. Their secondary is young. Their offensive line is atrocious. Find ways to get picks. And starting with that, the first way you start on getting picks is trading your best asset, and that's A.J. Green. Who cares if he can't stay healthy right now because most of it's probably going – why am I going to risk myself this injury going out there and possibly shortening my career even more playing on this team that doesn't appear to care about my health? So that's what I think the, the Bengals should do moving forward. Just trade them, get what you can, and build your team for the future because you're young and you honestly had an opportunity in this game. But the Rams just find a way to win. Bengals create turnovers. Boom, pow, that's it. Rams win and wind across the pond in London. And here we go into our next matchup. The Seattle Seahawks were traveling to Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. The poor Falcons. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they find ways to kind of compete in games with having really nobody. You have one of the best receiving cores in the league, but your starting quarterback is out. Matt Schaub is still finding ways to give their guys chances. So if you're sitting here asking yourself, how in the world is Matt Schaub still in the NFL at the age of 38? I think he might be older than that, honestly. How is he still in the league? How is he still a backup to Matt Ryan, who is also an elder quarterback right now? It's because he gives his guys an opportunity. He's smart, and he doesn't really turn the ball over. Yes, there were a couple mistakes this game, and yes, he put the ball in situations that got his receivers kind of banged up, but he did what he's supposed to do. He gave his receivers an opportunity. He gave his guys a chance to win the game, and they almost had it, but Russell Wilson just makes everything look so freaking easy. It's ridiculous. And I'm talking 
throws over the shoulder, escaping to the left, escaping to the right, running out the back end of the pocket, and just keeping his eyes down the field, evading defenders. It's just, it happens every game. It happens week to week. And I don't understand why we're not giving him more recognition for this MVP because right now he's about to win it. I mean, if the league ended today, right now, I think Russell Wilson gets that MVP vote. I think he honestly should. And if he doesn't, if you guys think there's someone else that can potentially earn the MVP award, let me know. That's what today's show is pretty much going to be all about, is interactive on social. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And if you disagree, please explain why. If you don't, I'm going to respond with the why, or I'm going to respond with the please explain. Because that's the best way we learn and conversation gets going, is asking questions and moving on. It's something I think everyone needs to do. Now, instead of getting into a huge talk here in politics, which I feel like it might kind of lead that way, with that last explanation I just had. Let's just keep rolling with this game. The Falcons and the Seahawks. Russell Wilson does whatever he wants. They also have a one-two punch in Carson and Penny at running running back. They were able to run the ball all over the Falcons. Yes, that Falcons defense is injured, but guess what? It's been injured the last couple years, and they haven't been able to find ways to win on top of that. It's just what happens. It's part of it. It's the NFL. You just have to do what you need to do moving forward, and the Falcons aren't finding ways to do that. Tyler Lockett, we need to talk about this guy more. I've, I mean, even me, because I've been saying how he's notorious for just having one or two plays a game that really just kind of changes the momentum for the Seahawks and kind of keeps them in the game or gets them back in the game. But as of late, like this season, with Baldwin retiring, TJ Lockett goes, hey, it's my turn to show what I can do, and he is. He's coming down with everything, it seems like. We're talking tough catches in the end zone, 50-50 balls down the field, breaking tackles, keeping plays alive with the ball in his hands. It's just amazing, and you love it from Tyler Lockett. And we need to start putting him in conversations on some of the best receivers in the league because he is starting to make a name for himself more and more, and he is gaining more trust from Russell Wilson. And so is DK Metcalf because that man is a massive human being. We already know that. And his physicality is just erupting week after week as well. Because I don't know what defensive back you're going to see stop him. In all reality, what defensive back is going to be able to slow him down once the ball is in his hands? Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't know. Is that the thought that just crossed your mind? If you had an answer, let me know. Hit us up on social. Like I said, very interactive show today. Another note that I have from this game, Freeman, I think he was down at the goal line. And if they call him down right there, the Falcons make this game closer. I don't know if they eventually win it, but it gets them kind of closer in this game instead of giving the Seahawks the ball back and an opportunity to go score down the field. That's really all the notes I have for this game. The Carson Penny one-two punch for the Seahawks, that needs to continue to build because if they can keep growing off of that, this team's going to get even more dangerous later on into the season. Our next matchup, the Eagles versus the Bills. Teresa and I both picked the Bills here, and going back and after watching this game and taking notes, I really looked at this game and the spread, which was just a point and a half of the Bills, and I really thought, like, why did we think that it would be the Bills after watching the Eagles kind of get blown out and then hearing Skandrick just go off on Colin Coward's show, The Herd, and really just kind of explained the corruption in that locker room and how there's a lack of accountability starting from the top to the bottom. I mean, once you hear that from a guy that was just released by the team, you have to know that they're wanting to go 
screw him. I mean, really, fuck him. Why is he just gonna sit here and say what he wants to say about us? Make up rumors, get more of our names tossed out in the media, and create more conversations and questioning for our fan base and our franchise. Let's go win this game, and that's exactly what they did. But man, the Bills' defense is just so freaking physical. Miles Sanders had a big play. He really had that welcome to the NFL type moment. I think the Eagles start to lean on him more and more as the season goes on, which is great for him. And then the Eagles eventually just took off in the third quarter with a turnover, a touchdown. Um, they were able to just kind of build off every turnover that the Bills gave them. And then they found their running game. Back to the Eagles here. Their running game just got going more with Howard as well. Even when it wasn't Sanders, they were just finding ways to get the ball on the ground, and they were running great. There was even a third-string third, a third string running back who found his way into the end zone, which is great for the Eagles because the more running backs you have, that running back by committee, that helps your team later on in the season. The Patriots are a prime example of that. But the Bills' turnovers are just really what cost them this game. My only concerns with Josh Allen right now is just knowing when to throw the ball away. At one point, do you realize, okay, this play's dead. I can't keep it alive even longer. I can't. I'm rolling. I'm scrambling out to the right. There's nowhere to go. Just throw the ball away, man. That's something you learn as you go, but he needs to learn a little quicker because his offense is already struggling. There's not much of a running game. His receivers are small. He needs a big physical receiver. Treese and I talked about this on the last show that every team's trade should make. That guy is Mr. Parker in Miami. If the Bills can find a way to get him a 6'5 target, that's going to be great for Josh Allen because that's what he's missing. And the Eagles, like we said, like I said a second ago, come away with a win. They just took advantage of the turnovers. Our next game that I want to cover here is the Chargers versus the Bears. This is another one of those games that I was just sitting here scratching my head going, how is this game this close? Why is this game this close? How are the Chargers not just blowing them out of the water? And then you just see the Bears kind of start making plays. It seems like they're figuring things out. And then they just, they don't. They just fall apart. Phillip Rivers, I mean, I just, I don't understand what his deal is this year. It's like his age has hit him like a brick wall. He's not getting the ball down the field. But if he is, it's, he's making throws where you're sitting here questioning, going, how the hell did he do that? How is he able to make this throw? But he's not able to make that throw. There's too many of those happening this year for him. That offense is just struggling. Uh, news broke tonight during the Monday night game that they have fired their offensive coordinator. Maybe that's what the issue is. Maybe it's not. They just need to find better play calling. They need to get more openings, more opportunities for Phillip Rivers to hit his guys instead of a big play erupting just from a guy being wide open. That's where this team is really struggling. Maybe they find their running game with Gordon if they eventually don't trade him. If they do, this team is just going to be even more confusing. But Melvin Gordon, like just talking about him, um, it was nice to kind of see him get his first rushing touchdown of the season after sitting out all of training camp. Montgomery, speaking of running backs, David Montgomery is the running back for the Chicago Bears. Tariq Cohen, get him, get him out of the backfield. We don't, you don't need him as a running back. He shouldn't be getting any carries on top of Montgomery. There's no reason for it. Give that man the ball and just go from there. Tariq Cohen, let him be your gadget player. That's what he's good at. That's fine. Allow him to be that and just grow from there. But when you keep going back and forth, your play calling gets mixed up. You're trying to be too cute. It throws everything off, especially for Mitchell Trubisky. And then here's what I got for Mitchell Trubisky. Just it's so confusing 
on my feelings towards him because it's like he can make these tough throws. There's some throws that he makes, and you're like, hey, that's a good ball. Or he put that in a spot for his guy to get an opportunity to come down with it, and they did. Allen Robinson at the top right of the corner, um, right before the goal line, he was able to come down with the ball. Mitchell Trubisky put that ball in a spot for him to have an opportunity to fight for it, and he did, and he came down with it. That's great. He starts the game off strong for the Bears. Their offense is moving. They're looking okay. They're not looking great, but they're looking okay, like something they can build off of. And then it's just the game ends, and it's just boom, interception, fumble, and it just after that, it's just like boom, 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 boom. It's a snowball. It's a snowball effect. The, the more it goes down the mountain, the bigger it builds until it hits something and it just explodes. That's what it's like watching Mitchell Trubisky. It's tough. I don't get it. And if I'm not a Bears fan, but if I was, man, it would be frustrating. Uh, Schulte, I'm sorry. We convinced you to be a Bears fan, and you are. And I honestly, I want to know your thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky, your thoughts on your head coach. Because at the end of the game, I really want to know why they need the ball. Why would you need the ball in that situation and then put the game in your kicker's hands with 42 seconds left? 42 seconds left on the clock. Mitchell Trubisky just... Just scrambled for a first down to put your team in position. Your guys are pumped. You're looking good. And all of a sudden, you take a knee, you call a timeout, and then you put the game in your kicker's hands, and he misses, and you lose by a point. Stop putting the game in your kicker's hands, coaches. Stop putting it on your kicker. Quit putting it on the right or left foot of your kicker to win a game. Stop it. That's why you have 11 other guys on your team that will help you get the – like. To get points on the board instead of just one other guy. Quit allowing that to happen. It's ridiculous. We saw it with Bruce Arians earlier in the year. Oh, we took the delay game because our kicker is better from deep. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. We've seen so many missed kicks this year. Why in the world would you put the game in your kicker's hands or on your cookers on your kicker's foot? Your team's looking good. You're moving the ball down the field. You're looking alive. Give them an opportunity. If Mitchell Trubisky throws an interception, guess what? You lose the game anyways. Your field goal kicker misses the kick, you lose the game anyways. It's what happened. Give your team an opportunity to go win or get closer to the goal line. You got 42 seconds in a timeout. You can easily get three, three or four plays right there and then get one last shot with a quick timeout and boom. And guess what? If you score, the game is over. There ain't no way the Chargers are scoring that fast. So I don't really know what Matt Nagy's doing right now. It's frustrating to watch, and it's tough to see Mitchell Trubisky struggle like this because when you see those end-of-game decisions, you really just have to ask yourself, is it Mitchell Trubisky? Is all of this Mitchell Trubisky, or is it the coaching? Where are these mistakes coming from? Why are there so many errors, and why is this team looking sloppy when they should be honestly competing for the NFC North? And they're not. Right now, they're sitting pretty damn near the bottom right at the bottom with the Lions a team they shouldn't be sitting there with they should be better than the Vikings and they should be better than the Packers and they're not and I think that starts with the coaching staff not Mitchell Trubisky that's my thoughts on that game we're going to go ahead and move on to our next matchup the Jets versus the Jags this was a game that I was kind of bored watching and then I wasn't because it just the way it started was great and then it kind of got a little slow and then it really just kind of erupted back up for everyone which was amazing um 
Before I get into this, though, let me just get back on over to the Rams game versus the Bengals because this was a thought that Treese had that I need to make sure I mention. And this thought is Brandon Cooks will announce his retirement by the end of next season due to concussions. We have that out here. Treese is still taking the time to make sure his his announcements are out here, that his calls are out in the world, that they are recorded and out here for your ears. Brandon Cooks will announce his retirement by the end of next season due to concussions. That's quite the call there from Treese, quite the predicament, honestly, because he's got a point. There are a lot of injuries coming from that Rams team, especially from Cooks. He's been on three different teams within the last four years at one point, but he's done well. And then you start this season again, or you have this year kind of come to a pause with a concussion. That was the take from Treese. Excuse me for interrupting here. I just wanted to make sure I got that in before I completely forgot it at the end. Um, back to the Jets and Jags, though. Leonard Fournette has really just kind of erupted since Treese is ass-chewing. Ass it was like Treese chewed his ass, Fournette goes, yes, sir, you got it, watch this, and boom. He's just kind of taken off. Started the game off with a big run, which was great, and then from there he kind of just kept kept rolling through the game. Nothing else really big happened for him, but that was it's good to see Fournette get rolling and this Jags offense keep moving forward. But speaking of this Jags team, it's this Jags defense. It literally can get pressure so easily. They've looked alive. I know it's I know they played the Jets this week, but this defense looked like it was on a different level. And I hope Treese agrees with me when he goes back and watches this game. I don't know how much he got to watch since he was on a flight on his way to California for Disney World slash land, whatever one it is. But I'm sure he'll agree with me there. And then Mr. Minshew. This guy has earned this job. He has come in with the injury of Nick Foles and earned it. He's done well. Yeah, he had a couple moments, you know, last couple games where he just wasn't doing as hot. But that's fine. That's really okay. Because this kid is learning to the NFL. He's doing fine. He's doing good. He's keeping plays alive. I mean, he's keeping plays alive that I really don't think Nick Foles would be able to. And that's with scrambling outside the left end of the pocket, sensing pressure from the back end, stepping up, escaping on a third and eight, getting the first down, running out of bounds, knowing how to keep a play live with his eyes still down the field, finding a guy open, <laughs> ends the game with the press conference interview when someone asked, what did you see on that touchdown pass to Conley? Like, what did you see to kind of just make that happen? And his response was, you know, I'm not going to lie, I kind of blacked out. You kind of blacked out. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm sure in a moment like that where you're, you got 300-pound guys running at you, you're just hearing grunting and just craziness. You look up and, holy shit, there's my guy. There's a guy with the same color jersey as me with a whole bunch of grass in front of him. I'm not seeing any of the opposite color jerseys in front of him. He's open. Let me just get the ball to him. Holy shit, he caught it. Touchdown. Boom, you're back in reality. Like That's how fast things happen in the NFL. And So I completely understand for him to go, hey, I kind of blacked out. Uh, can't wait to go back and watch it and really see what happens. So that's why I think Minshew earns this job. I think that's why he keeps this job. That's why I like him with this job for the Jags. They just need to keep building from here. Um, this division, the AFC South, it's really just going to kind of come down to what team can stay healthy at the end of the year. I'll touch up more on that with a couple 
a couple of the other teams with the Texans and the Colts because I really have a couple comments I want to make and kind of get out there moving forward. To get to the other team in this game, the Jets versus um, playing the Jags, Sam Darnold, uh, he just needs a physical receiver. That's what he needs. They can't. They don't have any physicality in their receivers. Um, he throws a ball to Robbie Anderson. It looks like it's a hitch comeback. Donald kind of throws it to the inside, and the defender just comes barreling in and intercepts it, just, just boulders over Anderson. He knocks him out of the way. They get the interception. They keep moving forward. So if you're a Jets fan, you hate to see that. They're probably going to trade Anderson anyway, so you're not losing that much. Um, still a tough loss, still a tough game. But the Jets, man, they just they can't stay healthy, and that's just going to kill their season. It has killed their season. There's not much to look forward to. The injuries are too much. You just traded away your defensive tackle to the other team in New York, to the Giants. That's good for him. If the only thing it took was a third and a fifth, I'm surprised they didn't kind of keep their options open for maybe just a late, hey, we need a defensive tackle from either team in the NFL because I feel like a third and a fifth for a guy you weren't going to keep anyways, I feel like you maybe could have gotten a little more. I don't know how much more, but maybe just a little. That's my notes on this game. Um, the Broncos versus the Colts. Really, my question on this game was, I wonder what this India, this Indianapolis Colts offense will look like without a running game. Will Jacoby Brissett be able to keep this team alive? Will he be able to carry them for an entire game without a running game? But the honest answer is, I don't know if we're ever going to see it. Like, we may never know what this team looks like without a running game due to the offensive line for the Colts. It is just so good that we may not know what it's like when this team is just ran by Jacoby Brissett, who is honestly the perfect guy for Indy in the situation of Andrew Luck retiring. This man plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays with a certain attitude that we didn't see with Andrew Luck. If you listen to Pat McAfee talk, I mean, he even has a lot to say about it. And I'm not just building off because I heard Pat McAfee say it. I'm saying it because I'm seeing it. You watch these games. You hear the discussion that he had with Frank Wright when they played the Chiefs. Let's just keep running the ball down their throat. They can't stop us. Boom, Colts win the game. Like, he is just leading this team in a way that we haven't seen before with them outside of Peyton Manning, who pretty much ran the entire organization. But Jacoby Brissett is doing his thing, and he is the right guy for the Indianapolis Colts. This game came down to a play where there was a potential safety for the Denver Broncos, a safety that would have sealed the game for him, that would have won the game for him. Instead, Jacoby Brissett excuse me, breaks the tackle from Vaughn Miller, let alone from anyone else. Vaughn Miller escapes to the right, barreling through the end zone. Boom, hits a strike. They keep marching down the field. Sets the Colts up for a game-winning field goal. The go, Adam Vinatieri hits it, and the Colts win. Oh, my God, did they win. Marlon Mack is so freaking good. Like I said, what does this team look like without a running game? We're never going to see it due to the offensive line, but we're also never going to see it because of Marlon Mack. That, this kid is just building quite the resume for himself this year. He might be an all-pro. He is for sure a pro bowler because he is running – just so well this season it's ridiculous Denver they were able to get sacks I'm going to hit this other team here in this game they they did keep it close so I can't just ignore them their defense was getting sacks and they were creating turnovers but like I said Jacoby Brissett just finding a way to keep a play alive 
and giving his guys shot down the field is ultimately what won it for him. And then what lost it for the Broncos was their play calling. It's just gone back to shit. Like, you have to figure out when you're going to run the ball and when you're going to throw it. If you haven't heard it yet, you need to go listen to it. Joe Flacco's not happy. He is not happy with his coaching staff, with the play calling, what they are and what they've become, because they're not aggressive. And he's right. They're not. They play soft. They almost kind of play scared. Their defense is just now starting to let loose, but their offense has been atrocious. Outside of a couple plays from Cortland Sutton and Phillip Lindsay up on the, you know, breaking a big run, there's really not much else from this offense to be excited about. Find that aggression. Find it within that coaching staff. Maybe Joe Flacco starts it here. Um, he is injured, so he is going to miss week nine. Brandon Allen, a kid from Arkansas, is getting an opportunity to start. We'll see what he looks like moving forward for the Denver Broncos. Our next matchup, though, is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Tennessee Titans. And my first question for this game is, what the fuck is Jameis Winston? Do you want to know what he is? He is the good, the bad, and the ugly all in one. And this game was a perfect example. The good, the bad, and the ugly Jameis Winston. That's what he is. This dude, I mean, he starts off bad, throws an interception, and the next thing you know, it's just him and the Mike Evans show. They're just having a hell of a game, going back and forth, throwing the ball up. Mike Evans says, give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Boom, 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 pow. And then you get into the end zone, and it's just pff, interception. Pff, turnover. Like, just what the hell, Jameis? Figure it out, man. Your team had an opportunity to win this game, and you threw an interception and cost it. The interception doesn't, it's not even explanatory. It's just a what the fuck was that? We have too many what the fuck moments with Jameis Winston for this Buccaneers team to, for them to want him next year. There's absolutely no reason they keep him. And if they do, I don't know what's wrong with Bruce Arians. There's got to be something wrong with him if he decides to keep him. Hopefully they don't. I don't think they should. But the sad part is they had an opportunity to win this game, and they just couldn't do it. And the reason is Mr. Tannehill. He's the difference maker for this Tennessee Titans team. A.J. Brown is a difference maker for this team. He needs to get more opportunities to showcase his talent for this team for this franchise, and then moving forward in the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to be thinking anything too impressive. I don't think they win the AFC South, but I think they do just enough to kind of compete and keep everyone else off guard or uncomfortable moving through the season where they might be the reason a team doesn't make the playoffs or the seeding in the AFC is messed up. It can come down to the Titans because their defense is not that bad. They're going to be okay. They're going to grow. They're learning, but their offense is what's got to get it rolling. Derrick Henry, he's... He's a stiff-legged runner, man. It's like he's just got sticks for, not sticks, like just boulders for legs that can't bend. It's like tree trunks. That's what I'm trying to say. He's got tree trunks for legs that can't bend. It's like when you watch this dude run, it's like his legs are just straight, just do-do-do-do. And like some guys bounce off, and if a guy doesn't bounce off, then that tree trunk is just hit out from underneath them, and the whole rest of his 6'2 ass is coming down on top of it. He's a good running back. He might be one of the best running backs within his old goal line when he's on his own one-yard line. We saw a 99-yard run last year against the Jacksonville on a primetime game on a Thursday night game, and we almost saw another one this week. He almost had the opportunity. He was about another stiff arm or keeping his balance with the tree trunks away from getting that. But other than that, there's really not much else to talk about with this Buccaneers-Titans game. Ryan Tannehill find a way 
found a way to kind of get them to win. And I honestly think he's finding a way to keep this job and being in the starting cornerback for them moving forward. I don't know if they draft one in the I don't know if they draft one this next season. Maybe they just kind of hold up and see what they can do with Tannehill moving forward, and then they bring in a young guy with a team more complete. Um, if they can do that, that'll be great for them. We're going to kind of head down to our last four games for me to cover. And that first, or this next one that we're going to kind of keep going with the last four-game stretch is the Carolina Panthers versus the 49ers. Um, this game was just a straight-up ass-whooping. You want to put a title on this game, the Carolina Panthers versus the San Francisco 49ers and San Francisco in 2019, it's an ass-whooping. They ran the ball all over the Panthers. Passing-wise, not so much. Their defense, ass-whooping. There were numerous guys for the San Francisco 49ers that had over two sacks. Joey Bosa just, or not Joey, Nick Bosa just added to his defensive rookie of the year campaign. He looked great. He's strong. He's physical. I hope he can stay healthy. I hope this 49ers team can stay healthy because if they can, they are a real threat. They are a real threat, especially after watching them do what they did on the running, running aspect of this game as Mr. Coleman had three rushing touchdowns in the first half. In the first half, he had three rushing touchdowns. And these aren't just give me one, two-yard rushing touchdowns. These are breakaway 15-plus-yard touchdowns from Mr. Coleman. So that's great for him moving forward. The 49ers running game, it's just amazing. Telvin Coleman, like I said, ended the game with four rushing touchdowns, three in the first half. You can't help but love it. And then for the Panthers, Allen's just hanging on to the ball too long. I don't know if it's the play calling or if the 49ers defense was just that fast or their I mean their secondary was just that good but it was just enough for Allen to kind of have on was excuse me here that left Allen hanging on the ball too long. He wasn't able to read the defense well. He wasn't able to do enough to kind of keep things moving forward for his team when they did have an opportunity we saw McCaffrey break away. He had at least a couple touchdowns. But other than that, there really wasn't much there for the Panthers. Just a sure ass-whooping from the 49ers. Our next game is a game that I was really just got pissed off watching. This is kind of really what just set the tone for the night on what I thought was just sloppy football for the whole league. Um, and it's the Pats versus the Browns. The teams that the Patriots have played just shoot themselves in the foot. Over and over and over and over and over with turnovers. Just every single game, there's just multiple turnovers that just ruin their opportunity to win. Now, whether it's the Patriots creating it or it's just mental mistakes or just fumbles, whether it's the Patriots knocking it out or just a guy not handling the ball well within contact, teams are just turning the ball over. And the Browns did that on three straight plays or drives, whatever you want to call it. There were three straight of them, and the Browns just handed the ball back to the Patriots. And the Patriots scored from it on every single one. I think they got two touchdowns and a field goal off these three turnovers. And then my next question is, like, Baker Mayfield, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you doing on that hitch pass or that little shovel pass, that whatever you're doing? Do you not see the defensive lineman erupting through like, how do you not see that large of a human being breaking right through the offensive line, coming straight at you, 
right in the area that you're going to be throwing the ball to Landry. You don't see that? How do you not see that? I don't get it. But it's something you got to figure out, man. If you're wanting to grow in this league and you're wanting to kind of keep your job in Cleveland, you've got to learn from your mistakes, similar to what I said about Daniel Jones. You can't keep making the same ones. You can't keep running to the right every single time you want to escape from the pocket. You can't just watch the pass rush. You can't just get happy feet and escape when there's no reason to escape. And then when you throw the ball, if you want to throw in that tight of a window, then put it there, man. Get that ball there. Give your team an opportunity. And another thing is you need to know situations. You need to be better in situational football because when it's a third and 12, and you see about eight defenders at the line of scrimmage, not even in the box, in the at the line of scrimmage. And your initial thought is to not check out of whatever play you're in or put in a different route, like put in a hot route for your guy to just kind of go, hey, like, let's check out of this real quick. You change your route to this. Let me hit you, and let's go score a tutty. Excuse me. We're just not seeing that with Baker Mayfield. Instead, he drops back and gets sacked, and that's about it. There's nothing to be excited for with this Browns team if Baker Mayfield continues to make these silly mistakes and these errors. And if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and Javaris Landry, at some point you've got to get annoyed. Nick Chubb has a couple turnovers, two fumbles. You hate to see it. You can't be having that. Um, If you're the Browns, I feel like they honestly had an opportunity to kind of make this game closer than what it should have been they were they still had an opportunity to compete even through the three turnovers but it just wasn't enough as Tom Brady just executed every opportunity he had and I have been saying this as of lately that Tom Brady is not looking like the Tom Brady we're used to seeing yeah he's making some throws he's putting the ball out there but he just doesn't have that guy right now where he can really just throw it up and know it's he's going to come down with it he doesn't have a Gronk anymore. And I don't know if that has to deal with some of his poor decision-making or his trust with some other receivers, but that's really just not there for him moving forward this year. And another thing is he's getting hit a lot. And he's not just like sacks or a couple hits from pressures. Like This dude is getting smacked. And we're in week eight of the season, and they're not playing good competition. So when the Patriots go to face a team that doesn't turn the ball over with, and they play a quarterback that knows how to read a defense a little better and doesn't fall for these fakes or schemes as much that the New England Patriots defense throws at them, the Patriots are going to lose because Tom Brady's going to make a mistake and cost them the game. I mean, that's what we're seeing so far this year, but the Patriots have literally just not played anybody and they've not played a quarterback that can throw on their defense. And until they do, which might be the next couple weeks for them as they play Baltimore, they have the Chiefs in about four or five weeks. They have the Chargers. I think they they haven't played the Raiders yet, so they still got Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr is a smart quarterback. Yes, he is known to throw some interceptions. But, I mean, that might be a difference maker against this New England Patriots team is how they react when they play an actual quarterback in a team that is smart with the ball. That's my question on this Pats team. Yes, I still think they're the best team in the NFL. Their defense is great. Their offense is churning. They lead the league in points scored. But how can you not when your defense just gives the ball to you all the fucking time? That's about all I have for this game and the Patriots moving forward. 
My next matchup is the Texans versus the Raiders. And let me tell you, the Raiders had an opportunity to win this game. Even after the old even after the old pirate magic from Deshaun Watson when he's getting kicked in the face and throws a touchdown in coverage that gets caught by his tight end for the touchdown. Um, let me start with the Raiders here. Renfro finally gets his first touchdown um, as an NFL wide receiver. That's great from him. Catches the ball in traffic, breaks a tackle, and just takes off down the field, gets his first touchdown. Good for him. And then this Raiders team, they're young, and they are very physical. Young and physical is what this Raiders team is. I have a buddy that is a huge Raiders fan, and I told him at the beginning of the year, like, hey, you guys are going to be a lot better than people are going to realize, but you're so young and you have a lot to learn from that you're probably going to lose a couple of games from, you're going to lose a couple games from just mental mistakes and errors. And that's just something you're going to have to learn from. And then once you learn from it, you're going to be pretty damn good. And that's exactly what this team was. Their defense was getting pressure on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I know the offensive line isn't that great for the Texans, but that defense was still physical enough and good enough to kind of get pressure and cause enough havoc to keep Watson uncomfortable all game long. Now, the last thing I want to say for the Raiders is they should have thrown that challenge flag on the third and 16. I think they had an opportunity to win that. I think that was pass interference. I think you throw that challenge flag, you get the ball back there, um, and you give your team an opportunity to just kind of seal that game and win it. Instead, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans get the ball, and they go down and score, and they put the game away. Now, my question that I said I had earlier for this AFC South division that I just needed to ask on who ultimately wins it, and it's going to be which team can stay healthy. And it's going to be between, honestly, all four of them at this point. Can the Texans stay healthy enough to compete at this level all season? Can their defense stay healthy enough? J.J. Watt just went out for the year with a torn pectoral muscle. What happens if you get another injury along that defensive line? You get another one, I mean, you might as well just call, not necessarily call your season, but it's going to be tough to kind of keep moving forward. The Texans, they just need to keep winning games. I feel like if you keep putting this much pressure on Deshaun Watson and he keeps feeling this need to make plays happen and keep him alive, he's got to get himself hurt. And that's not something I really want to see with the quarterback that is playing on this level and competing for an MVP spot or the MVP title along with Russell Wilson. Because if he can stay healthy, he's eventually going to win it. But it's going to come down to which one of them really just helps their team find more success into the season. But that's really what this AFC South division is going to come down to is what team can stay healthy through the course of the season with the end of the playoffs. Because let's say the tight or the Texans do sneak into the playoffs. Are they going to be healthy enough to compete at that level of football? Are other teams going to be healthier? Are other teams going to be more physical, not as beat up? We don't know. But the entire AFC South, can the Colts stay healthy enough? Are they able to kind of keep everything rolling with their running game? And then can Jacoby Brissett continue to do enough for them moving forward? The Jaguars, their defense is alive. Yes, it was the Jets, but they are still alive moving forward. There's an opportunity for them to win this division. And the Titans, like I said, they can make enough noise to just kind of redirect the rankings, the seeding of the AFC, and kind of ultimately what happens. And they could potentially do it for the NFC as well. They're one of those teams that you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. And now our last game that I'm going to cover it is the Green Bay Packers versus my Kansas City Chiefs. And honestly, for Chiefs fans, this was a game we expected to lose. 
We have a lot of key starters sitting out. We have a lot of guys not playing, a lot of guys that are injured. The left side of the offensive line is sitting out. You're missing two of your best defensive, three of them, and Kendall Fuller, Chris Jones, and then Frank Clark sitting out with a neck injury. I mean, this game is pretty much just a wash for you, and you expect Aaron Rodgers to just kind of blow everything up, but that's not really what happened. We expected a loss, and then this game was close, and then the Chiefs just weren't able to pull out the victory, but it's okay. It really is. There's a lot to build off for the Chiefs. Um, They're learning a lot about themselves, which is great. Like I said, you're missing Frank Clark and Chris Jones, but yet you still find a way to get five sacks. You played the Denver Broncos last week and had nine, and then this week you have five. You bring Chris Jones and Frank Clark back into this mix healthy, ready to go. I mean, can we expect almost five sacks a week then? That's just ridiculous. Colin Saunders got his first sack. Ogba just continues to get sacks. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh, Arakpo continued to get sacks. Oh, excuse me, Okafor. Um, That's the name I was trying to think of there. Okafor is getting a couple sacks. Like, these guys are just finding ways to get to the quarterback. The linebackers are getting there. But there's just enough split between the linebackers' speed and size and strength that is setting this team apart moving forward. Their secondary is doing a hell of a job, but when they play a team that just primarily throws the ball and is not going to run it, I don't know when they're going to play that team because their next couple matchups are primarily running teams. This Chiefs defense has just got a lot to keep proving, a lot to keep learning, and if they can continue to build off of it, it's going to be a fun season when everyone's back healthy. This offense did just enough. They were just creative. But there were a couple mistakes there. The fumble from McCoy is really what kind of cost the game. You hate to put an entire game on one guy, but that's ultimately what it comes down on. And then Aaron Rodgers just continues to add to his highlight reel um, for the end of his career resume. I mean, wow. Wow. Like I've said all show, this is a very interactive show. That's what this is going to be. My next question for you guys was that last was that touchdown pass from Rodgers to Williams in the back corner of the end zone? Was he throwing that ball to Williams or was he trying to throw that ball away and Williams made an effort play to get there and catch it for a touchdown? You answer me that. Because I, I really can't tell. I went back and watched it. I probably watched it three times. Aaron Rodgers is getting hit and getting sacked and he just kind of like sidearm chucks it like from the hip and throws it up there and all of a sudden he's like, boom, touchdown. It's not Ben Neiman's fault. I mean, the Chiefs couldn't have done anything any better that play. As a fan personally watching the game with raw emotion, I was like, oh, my God, they did it. They stopped him. They're going to get the ball back. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, touchdown. Who knows? But what happened, happened. That's it. The Packers win. They move on. Um, Really, that's about it that I have for this game. Aaron Jones had himself a night with two early rushing touchdowns to kind of get the game rolling for the Packers. Really put them up 14-0. And then at the end of the game, he just kept, he ran the ball hard. Like, he's just bouncing off tackles. The Chiefs punt the ball away with six minutes left, about five minutes left in the game. Pin the Packers down at the two-yard line. Aaron Jones back-to-back on running plays. Gets his team out of a tight spot. And then the Packers eventually win the game because of it. Because of Aaron Jones running the ball so effectively and the Packers finding ways to win with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball down the field like he always does is what won the Packers this game. And it's something for them to build off of. Like I've been saying the last couple weeks, they are a complete team, and that's great for them and great for that division in the NFC North. 
And if the Bears can figure it out and the Lions can stay healthy, who knows what eventually happens in that division between the Vikings and the Packers. Those are going to be the two teams that it comes down to. But similar to the AFC South, which team of the Vikings and Packers can stay healthy through the latter part of the season now that we head into the back end of it. This season is an exciting one. It's awesome to kind of see everything going on and take place like it has been. But we have a lot of football left to play. We have a lot left to figure out. It's been awesome getting to recap it with you guys here today. Please answer my questions on social at our Twitter at talking underscore football. Let us know your let me know your answers. Treese will be back on Thursday. And that is about it for the recap of week eight. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, if you have any other questions or anything you don't like or things you do like, please let us know so we can continue to build this great show for you guys. Um, this is something we really love doing. This is something I thoroughly enjoy. It's something I look forward to. It's what makes my week. It's what just kind of keeps me rolling through the end of the workday on going. I get to go home and watch and talk football and just kind of keep this dream of mine rolling and alive. And you guys are a huge part of that. And it's something I want you to be a part of my journey on moving forward from here on out. So please rate our podcast if you have not. Rate, review, and subscribe, of course, five stars. Hit us up on social if you have any questions. We appreciate you. And as always, we were, or I was, talking football.